Hello friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, friends, or whatever time of the day it happens to be. I think most of you listen in the morning. Hey, I don't get a whole lot of these anymore. We've kind of run dry on our postcards. But uh, recently, I was preaching in a church south of Richmond, and a dear family approached me, and specifically, my two buddies, and I hope that you're listening right now, uh, Chance and Cash. Cash actually is seven years old. He handed me this card, and this is Cash and Chance Shelton, and this is from them. Thank you for teaching us the gospel in your Everyday Truth podcast. My family listens to it each morning on our way to school. And I met the whole family. They go to Richmond Christian School. And there, my friends, is some artwork depicting all of it with a tree on the front. So thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Cash and Chance and entire Shelton family. Hope you're listening this morning. We're in Romans chapter 8. And we've arrived at just a super section of encouragement because we're in the very famous verse 28, where the Bible says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And of course, we know that by faith, but we also know that, and the word here, the term here that we know is really we know by experience. So we know this by past experience. All you have to do is look at your life and see some of the things that in the moment, like, wow, why did that happen? And yet now you see, oh, God used that. Well, he's doing that with everything. But we also can see that in other people's lives. And the Apostle Paul references throughout the book of Romans, people in the Old Testament whose entire life we can now see And in the context of retrospect, we can see how God orchestrated and used all of it in a way to help them uh, be better. He worked things together. I think in Romans 15, the Apostle Paul says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Even a James said in James chapter 5 that we are to consider the, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord as an example for suffering affliction and of patience and to look at how that worked in their lives. And I say all that to say because a one view of verse number 29, let me read the verse where it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren, so that many would be uh, glorified, many would be like Christ, many would have his righteousness and bear his image. So what's the point? Does, Does this verse teach that somehow God has arbitrarily, before people were ever even born, kind of decided for them, who's going to be saved and kind of predetermined who's going to be lost uh, just in a de facto sense. And I I, I couldn't think of anything farther from the truth 
than to think that God would be capricious and just arbitrarily choose some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. In fact, that's not what the verse teaches, nor is that what the Bible teaches. Uh, The Bible specifically says here that God has predestinated what? The Bible says he has predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. So simply put, what Romans 8 is teaching is God has made it a sure thing that every believer in Jesus will one day be just like Jesus. That That's the principle of predestination, whether you look at it here in Romans chapter 8 and it's two instances, or you look at it in Ephesians chapter 1 or the other couple references, I think there are only six references in the Bible to it, you're going to see that that's the context, is that God has made it a sure thing that every believer in Jesus will one day be just like Jesus. He that began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Romans written to believers, and specifically chapter 8 written to believers, this is to be a, a great encouragement to you that God is not done with you. And while sometimes we go through these relapses in our life and we backslide and we take two steps forward and one step back, God is working. And his purpose for you is the same purpose he has for me. And that is that I would become more and more like Jesus in this process of sanctification. And one day when I see Jesus, I'll be just like him in that act of glorification. I'm already like him in my status because of justification, well, what what a what a comprehensive plan God has for you and me. Look what it goes on to say in verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, remember predestination refers to what God has made a sure thing for believers, that we will become just like Jesus. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, then he also glorified. In other words, God is the author of every single part of it. He's the author of every part of it. Now, we didn't approach him, he approached us. Now, I believe the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, but without God making the first move, nobody would be saved. And so he's the caller, he's the justifier, uh, he's the glorifier. He is the one that, that saved us in the sense of I'm saved from the penalty of sin. When you trusted Christ as your savior, he is the one that is saving us. He is the one that will redeem our bodies. All of salvation is the work of God. It's not God's work plus your works. No, it is God's work. And the point here is that God is working on you. He has has already done this work. He will do this work, and it's as good as done. That's the work of God in your life. And I love that. Now, if that be true, if my salvation, both my past salvation in justification, my present salvation in this Christian life, and my future salvation in my glorification, if all of that is God's marvelous work and grace in my life, then what worries should I have? And what difference does it make what other people say or think? And that's really where the Apostle Paul goes in verse number 30. 
Now, verse number 31, what shall we say to these things? You know, what's a good summary statement here? Well, here it is, ready? If God be for us, who can be against us? So we, we face all kinds of opposition in this world, don't we? We face all kinds. Paul was facing religious opposition. He was facing political opposition. He was facing familial opposition. Wow, he was facing it everywhere. And yet, if God is for us, if God is doing this, if God is conforming me to the image of Jesus, if God is working on this masterpiece of my life and yours, if God's on my team, if God's the one at work, then what who can be against us? I mean, we are in the majority automatically. Look at verse number 32. Here's a, a good reason to justify that God is for us. Now, how do I really know God's for me? Well, consider this verse, verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. You say, well, I just don't know if God is really for me. Well, how about this? He gave his son for you. He sent his son to die for you. His son paid sin's penalty for you. So if God gave his son, if he was willing to go to that degree to love you, win you, redeem you, then Every other thing in your life that you need for life and godliness and every other thing that you need in your life to make you more like Jesus and every other thing that God can supply, obviously, if he gave his son, then every other good thing he's going to give you as well for your good and for his glory. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? The point is every good blessing you have in your life today as a believer is because of Christ and through Christ and in the power of Christ. What a thought that is. Now, with that overriding thought in our hearts and minds, let's see how this great passage concludes. Would you look at verse number 34? Who is he that condemneth? I'm not condemned, remember? Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Boy, just about the time someone wants to condemn me, well, he's not really a Christian. Well, you don't know what he did. Sometimes we even condemn ourselves. But where is Jesus, our advocate? Where is Jesus, our defense attorney? Where is the Jesus who won the case on our behalf? He's still there advocating. He's still there at the right hand of God. Look at verse number 35. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's not going anywhere. His love is unending. It's unfailing. It's unconditional. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul gives some hypothetical things that, that could potentially separate somebody from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, trials, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, even execution? Can they separate us from, from Christ's love? No. Which tells me this, that when those things are happening in my life, 
they are not indications that God doesn't love me. Because sometimes if we're not careful in a an infantile, immature way, we'll look at bad circumstances in our life and say, well, God must not love me. Bad things are happening. I'm going through a hard time. People are against me. I'm facing opposition. No, Paul listed these things that are horrific. And yet you go through them categorically. Paul went through every one of them. He went through every single one of these things. And what he was saying is, and I am just as sure as ever that I am loved of Christ, that his love is unfailing and undetachable from my life. Look at verse number 36. As it's written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's a quote from Psalm 44. The Apostle Paul saying, you know, I have biblical proof to demonstrate that this is true. You know, we are going to go through it. And times of suffering are inevitable. They are part and parcel to the Christian life. Young people are going to face it. Old people are going to face it. New Christians are going to face it. Old Christians are going to face it. American Christianity is going to face it. Uh, Eastern Christianity is going to face it. it. This is part of it. And, and the Bible predicted it. But none of it is going to be an indication that God does not supremely love you, nor is it an indication that somehow God's plan has been thwarted. No, he's at work in every situation with all of it, forming into you the very character of Jesus. Why? Because he started that work. He's going to finish that work. He loves you. He started the work. He's going to finish the work. He loves you. Let that encourage you today. Let's finish it up. Look at verse number 37. Paul says, nay, no, no, in all these things, in these things, not, not, not escaping these things, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Yeah, it might look like to the world that I'm the one in prison. It might look like to the world that I'm the minority. It might look like to the world that I'm just uh, a, a fringe member of society as a Bible-believing Christian. It might look like to the world, I'm on my deathbed, I'm sick, I'm being controlled, I'm in jail. But, but in these things, no, 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 I am more than a conqueror. You think about that term conqueror. Back in when Paul was writing this, the Roman world had conquered the world, the Roman Empire. They were the conquerors. Everyone in the world was conquered by them. And Paul said, no, 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 we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, watch this, verse 38, that neither death nor life nor angels, now he talks about the unseen world, nor principalities, nor powers, the demonic forces of this world, nor things present, uh, things that are happening now, nor things to come, nor anything that will happen, nor height, nor depth, anything in this created universe, nor any other creature, anything in the animal kingdom shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I give you some homework? It would be a great thing to take verse 35 through verse 39 and just memorize it and just know, oh, how he loves us. And that's never going to change. That's good news today. I hope you'll bank on it. 
Have a great day today. We'll see you next time as we begin a brand new chapter. Cannot wait to dive into Romans chapter nine. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.